every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd, he's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey everyone, welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Marquevis Gideon, uh, who owns Nerd It Now. Uh, Marquevis' story is really pretty interesting. He went from being an entrepreneur basically his entire life, and then he surprised himself by coming in second place in an entrepreneur contest at the University of Delaware. And then he moved to China for five years without knowing a lick of Chinese. And then he capped it off by driving 36 hours to California in a converted ambulance to pitch his business on Shark Tank. So Marquivis, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today. Brian, it's definitely a great opportunity to be here today, speak with you and your yeah, um, following for everything that you're doing. Um, entrepreneur happy hour, like, yeah, no, that, that's like the best of both worlds. I love it. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the hope. So I'm actually <laughs> going to be trying a dogfish head. We talked about a little bit before we started recording. It's called the hazy IP, the hazy O IPA. Never had it before. I'm going to give it a shot. So uh, that's what I'll be drinking. What about you? Brother, um, you know, in a in a work environment, I try to be um, incognito. So I use the McDonald's cup. I often like to do a little Jack and Coke and it tastes pretty well. Cheers to you. All right. Cheers. Well, let's get into it. So you you said in, in uh, different places that you are you've, you've been an entrepreneur your entire life. When did you kind of realize it? And what was your first real exposure to, to being a business owner? Um, I think the majority part of my earlier years in life um it was more of a, a professional hustler a okay. legal one but a hustler nonetheless <laughs> uh, my my grandmother um when i was eight years old used to have her own candy store and she'll sell penny candies all the time and i guess she made decent money and when she decided to retire i decided to uh, take over um i asked my grandfather back in 1994 five-ish yeah um for $20 about a $10 <laughs> toaster oven uh, two packs of, um, it was like for $2, you get four personal pizzas yeah. for $2 each. And then some Kool-Aid mitts, some sugar, some, et cetera, $20. Uh, long story short, um, after about two or three weeks, I was averaging about $200 a week at the age of eight years old, selling personal pizzas and uh, frozen cups and penny candy. That's amazing. And $200 a week to an eight-year-old is like $5 million. Oh, man. It was like a Nintendo 64 for every room <laughs> in a house. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, tell, tell us about a little bit about what your business is, is now. All right. So today, um, our business, I'm Nerded Now, we purchase, repair, we sell computer phones or tablets. A lot of people see us because we have a mobile office, or I should say an ambulance converter into a mobile office, which we call the motherboard. Um, the business has been slowly growing over the past five years uh, from apartment to two to a smaller storefront to a much larger storefront. Uh, we're now in the first certified recycler in the state of Delaware, offering a lot of recycle equipment back into the community. And um, I guess our kiosk that we pitched on Shark Tank is finally coming to fruition. Amazing. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, our first 10 pilot, pilot of 10 will be here yeah. uh, within the next month or two. That's incredible. 
And if you're not watching this on video, behind Marquebus is literally shelves and shelves and shelves of laptops. Um, I can't even guesstimate how many are back there, but it's hundreds. Um, um, hundreds in this room, I would say probably uh, actually closer to 2,000, but we go to our next our recycling storage location where there's probably easily five, 6,000 devices. Amazing. We call it our problem child. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've talked before about how your business was sort of born and seeded with money that you and your partner won at a entrepreneur contest at the University of Delaware that you didn't necessarily think you were super prepared for. How, how did that all shake out? So uh, we went into there. Um, at the time, um, I purchased a 1986 Ford E350 Baltimore Ravens tailgating ambulance. <laughs> and it absolutely never worked. No, I'm not a Baltimore Ravens fan. And yes, the truck was older than me. But yeah. it was like what we thought would work. And um, it absolutely didn't work. We did win some um, money. I believe it was $9,000 from the University of Delaware. And we invested about 7000 of that. Um, back into the truck, back into equipment to be able to reduce our park costs, increase our profit with um, LCD screen repairs. And it just wasn't working. And after maybe four or five months of um, after the competition, I uh, realized quickly that we had to pivot from doing a, a mobile office working out of an apartment to yeah. a storefront. And that was the best $2,000 I ever spent. Our monthly revenue was probably around $850 a month. Okay. Within year one, when we moved into the next storefront, um, our revenue in the first three months bumped up to 3000 By December of that year, it was wow. at $5,000 a month. That's amazing. So it, it was just like, oh, okay, we, we're on to something. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. I love it. So how did you even come up with this idea? Where, where did you see the need for this? Well, in my earlier years, um, learning how to fix computers, I always had this um, passion for technology. Yeah. And, you know, when a teacher gave me my first computer, that right there translated to me actually going to a high school, Howard High School of Technology, where I became yeah. a Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. Um, I, I love doing this work. And when I returned from China, I um, remember <laughs> I was taking my then girlfriend, now wife, I call her my baby mama, but we're still together. <laughs> she, <laughs> we uh, decided to um, go to Atlantic City for her 25th birthday. I remember um, stepping out of the car and, you know, I did what everybody else do. You put your phone in your lap, yep. I stepped out and I shattered my screen. Yep. Uh, I didn't know how to fit screens at the time. So I went to the, uh, a local mall, Christiana Mall, to a kiosk where they were able to fit my phone. They said, hey, you know what? Well, fit it. Uh, give us an hour. Come on back. It'll be done. Yeah. Now, me being a technologist, like I know computers, not phones, but I'm like, ah, OK, that's a bit weird, but. Sure. Came back. It had another issue Then another issue Then another issue. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I just thought, you know what? I, it can't, it's just a small computer. Yeah. I can do this on my own. Did a little YouTubing and boom, Nerd and I was born. Amazing. That is amazing. I love that. First of all, you can figure out how to do pretty much anything on, on YouTube. And now your entire business was born from being able to say, like, I know I could do this better. But yep. let me figure out exactly how to do it. I love it. Well, you talked you talked about China. So tell me a little bit about you, you kind of had like a really bad country song event in your life where <laughs> your car broke down, you lost your job, and your girlfriend dumped you all within the same time period. Yeah. And then your solution was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm moving to China. Like how, how that seems like a whole lot of a whole lot of movement going on. 
So if you rewind a year before that, um, I remember I was living with four females at the time, uh, really close friends of mine. Yeah. And they were like, um, I woke up sleeping on the sofa couch and they were all like, we're applying to go to co- uh, China. And I was like, you're all stupid. <laughs> I tried to go back to sleep. But then I remember these uh, four females, which were attractive. Yeah. I was like, well, I can't really date you. But then I asked them, who are you going with? And they told me all their friends that were applying. And I was like, Eureka, I need to apply too. (laughs) Um, I was the only guy to apply to go to China. Um, One of two African-Americans, which was another unique identifier. Um, I I was accepted to go to China for one month. Loved it. I I didn't know how to say anything. I left not knowing how to say anything. (laughs) But I thought like, one day I'll come back. You know, you always say, I'll come back one day. Yeah. It happened uh, a year later. I graduated, good job, good car, girlfriend. And then when we say same time period, it literally happened in the same day. My car oh, literally the same day? The same day. <laughs> <laughs> Driving to work, my car break down. Walking to work, less than a half mile away, I get a call. Hey, I'm moving to North Carolina for college. Okay, so we're breaking up. Now, in the frustration, I towed my car from where it broke down at to my job. Yeah. Just to get to my job and sure. get tapped. Like a good employee. Let you over. Yep. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is beautiful. And then you go back to your car and you realize like, oh, wait, my car is still overheated. I've blown the head gasket. Oh, some. So I had to call another tow truck. And as I'm sitting there, you know, this was during a time where cell phones could kind of surf the Internet. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I was able to kind of book a ticket, which I wish I. Well, no, I, I'm glad I did it. But in the moment, it was just like why did I just book a one-way ticket to China 48 <laughs> hours later? Um, it, 48 hours later? 48 hours later. That's I, unreal. Yeah, it, it was stupid. Like, it, yeah. I it, I didn't think about it. I had to rush to New York City. I had to get a new visa. I had to get an invitation letter rushed over to me. It was just like the stupidest 36 hours of my life. <laughs> but since I was in New York getting my visa, I went straight from the embassy, straight to the airport. It was like going. That's incredible. Oh, awesome. My intent was to stay for four months. And um, I remember I couldn't speak a lick of Chinese, but um, I guess after four months, I learned how to say, well, y'all trim my leji hofajie jang, which means I want chicken nuggets and ketchup. (laughs) After eight months, I made friends, a year and a half. I was like, not fluent, but to the point where this conversation I can do in Mandarin. Yeah. And after a while, it's just like, yeah, this is where I want to be. So I stayed there for about five years. Amazing. So you take literally the worst day of your life, make sort of an impulse decision, stick with it. And then it ends up being sort of a launching part of your life. It was the best decision of my life. I I become more diversified as an individual. Yeah. I grow my network. And then when it comes to like Shark Tank, um, people don't realize that two weeks before we had to pitch on Shark Tank, I didn't even have the kiosk. I had no idea where I was going to get it from. But I work for an import-export company in China, which I see something similar that I could rebrand and reconfigure and reprogram to make it work for us. And boom, China was the best thing ever. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a, such a great story. I, I absolutely love it. Um, so while you're in China, you're, you're, you're teaching, you know, students. Other people, children, which I hate. Other people, I hate other, I hate other people's <laughs> children. You can't beat them. You can't like they, they yes. don't listen. So it's not socially acceptable. You're right about no, that. Yeah, you, you can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> so you you decide to open a business in China, which is a bar. Correct. Like that seems insane to me. How how's that all shake out? So my um, 
First few months, teacher children, I pivoted to teaching at a university where one of the advisors at the university was like, hey, my husband owns an import-export company and your Mandarin is pretty well, so you could translate between American or foreigners and Chinese. Took the job. I met one individual who was working at Honeywell who became one of my greatest friends in China. And um, we would meet in this hotel where I would meet a lot of different people and talk business. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? One day we should open a bar in here. He kind of laughed it off. And um, three months later, he came back to me and said, you know what? I'm moving to China. Let's open that bar. Unreal. And it, it was funny because at first he wanted to just pay salary. I'm like, nope, I need equity. And we discussed it back and forth, back and forth. And he said, you know what? If you can make this self-sustaining in six months, I'll get you from 20 to 30% equity. Wow. Well, we had 12 waitresses, three bartenders, and a bar manager within four months. It was self-sustaining. And I was able to live a drunker buffoon buffoonery type lifestyle um, in China. I was young and dumb. And a key point, what people don't realize, my first drink of alcohol ever in life was at 22. Oh, wow. And within four months of me having my first drink, I opened my first bar. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> you, fast, you certainly went on the fast track after you had the yes, first sir. drink. I, I love it. That's great. <laughs> so how did you, you, you know, you talked about trying to provide a tech food truck experience. So now we, we talked about the Ravens uh, failed tailgate cheat, which sounds amazing, by the way. I, I would <laughs> buy that probably right now. But uh, uh, so how did you realize that, you know, the ambulance was the way to go? Well, it was just something that people didn't see. Um, when you think of IT companies, um, definitely ones that do what we do. Um, I was the 63rd business to incorporate in one zip code doing the same kind of service that we're doing. Really? So I was like, okay, everybody from like the local geek squad to um, people working out of their apartments, there's 63 of us when you search on Google. So I thought, you know what, we gotta change the stigma. We gotta be a little more creative. Let's get an ambulance and go around and fix it on the go. And the motherboard, it sounded like a crazy idea at first. But it, it's actually been pretty good. We um, The overhead is low. And um, though the ambulance isn't probably the most cost efficient way to go about it, it's our branding now. And it's yeah. just been extremely helpful in being our purple cow when it comes to branding our business. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty big differentiator for sure. Yes, sir. Yeah, to be able to have that. Um, well, let's talk about Shark Tank. So uh, you get a call from the producers of Shark Tank and take it from there. Yeah, well, uh, actually, my, my son at the time was four months old. Um, he just came out. I remember looking at my wife and I said, wife, I think I want to go to Kentucky. And she said, when? I said, and then when tomorrow <laughs> she's like why i'm like ah you know this open call for shark tank i think we got a chance she said what are you going to pitch i said i don't know she said good luck i trust you husband go uh, we went out there and uh, we pitched it they loved it and within two weeks we got the next call uh, we got to do more um, iterations of uh, our video auditions and this audition and script writing and after uh, I believe it's a total of four weeks before they said okay and then that's they said well either in late June or late September you're going to come yeah we'll let you know by the 8th of June on the 8th of June we had we, we were told that on 
June 16th, we had to be in um, California with our truck kiosk. And again, we didn't even have the kiosk yet. <laughs> Holy crap. So you must be an incredible salesman because you get, you, you pitch your way onto Shark Tank without, you pitch something that you don't even have that doesn't even exist yet. Yep. So <laughs> yep. it, it seems like, uh, a, I mean, it's a bold move, I would say. <laughs> so how do you So you knew you had the idea, but you, it was kind of like, Hey, if they say yes, we'll figure it out. Yep. Um, um, often my team, um, Jasmine's over here. I'll talk it to another um, staff member and she hates when I say this, but I'm like, yeah, that's a tomorrow problem. Yeah. We don't have a kiosk. <laughs> that's a tomorrow problem. <laughs> Until tomorrow becomes today. And then she looks at me and she wants to kill me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so we got to figure it out today. But yeah. the kiosk was like a tomorrow problem until we realized that it's actually a today problem. Like we have eight days to get the kiosk here wrapped in the ambulance and then over into California. Yeah. And we made it happen. That's un, that's unbelievable. So you go there. How nervous are you? So I watched I watched your pitch and it was it was an excellent pitch, very entertaining, and it was good TV for sure. So you you make your pitch uh, uh, and you I think you said you were looking for one hundred fifty thousand for twenty percent, something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers. Yeah, um, I would say we were not nervous at all. Really, this is what we do. We are the nerds, man. We nerd this, we nerd that, we nerd it now. <laughs> We love this stuff. And I think it was more of the frustration, though we didn't get a deal at the end of it. Yeah. Um, it, it it was an awesome experience. Um, even being in front of the Sharks, um, funny behind the scenes story, um, there was two times that they actually called us and we didn't know an answer. We're like, um, um, who's going to answer that? We didn't know it. But what? they didn't show that in a pitch That's at all. And that usually does not play well on that show. That doesn't play well. <laughs> but they love genuinely our business mission, what we're doing, how we're doing it. And we walked away knowing, they said, honestly, Marquivis, y'all can do this on your own. Yeah. Y'all don't need us. And even if you did need us, you're coming a bit early. But trust me, you got it. They wanted, we were willing to give up 20% of our business, 20% yeah. of at the time, maybe $300,000 a year. Sure. That $360,000 a year. Yeah. Um, last year we did almost 2 million. Ugh, wow. 10% of that is a little bit more. <laughs> that, so you, you kind of have these defining moments in the, in the history of the business. You win the entrepreneur thing, right? You go on Shark Tank and you, you know, you, you've, basically the business has taken off since then. Can you point to Shark Tank as a jumping off point or is that more, you know, did, did you become super popular because you're on there? Cause that's being on TV in Delaware is a huge deal. You yes. know? So Shark Tank has definitely helped polarize our business in a, in a positive light. Yeah. I remember um, after Shark Tank, my wife was uh, now turning 30. We have a thing with Asia. I decided to take her to Japan, Malaysia, Thailand and Vietnam oh, wow. for her birthday. It's, yeah. It sounds expensive. It's not. It's really yeah. not. <laughs> uh, we, we spent a few weeks out there and uh, I remember when we were in the airport in Japan, a little Asian lady comes up to me and me and my wife are looking like, what is she about to say? And she says, you <laughs> shark take. And we're like, oh snap. This is amazing. That is amazing. Recognize this brand. 
all over the place, which is amazing. Definitely if you're a Shark Tank fan. So for that reason, it's been definitely pretty cool um, for us to be able to elevate. But honestly, it was just um, my team coming together and just being very intentional in what we're doing. Yeah. And it's saying, you know what? We're going to grow. Yeah. We understand the sharks that invest us, us now, but we're going to make sure that they regret that later. Yeah. So our, again, our, it took us almost two years now. Uh, a year and a half now yeah. for us to get the funding to finally get the kiosk ready. Wow. In the meantime, we became a certified recycler in the state of Delaware, the first one. Yeah. And that right there has pushed our revenue up ridiculously, allowing us to do some of the cool things that we're doing right now. And once the new kiosk get here, like we're positioning ourselves, our team went from back then three people to now almost 15 people. We're training people out in the community. It's just like morphing in a way that we couldn't imagine and yes a lot of the brand recognition started with shark tank that was just like a start of like a lot of great things that we're trying to do here in it, um both locally and nationally yeah that's a and not to underplay the the, the fact that you're certified uh recycle firm because people that don't live in delaware don't know how and it may be like this in other states i just don't know how impossible it is to get rid of an old tv or an old laptop you can't just put it out at the curb it yeah. takes it's a hassle. So that is a huge thing. First of all, I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tried to throw a TV out once. I'm like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Can't yeah. do it. People are like, I don't think um, households, they're starting to learn more. Yeah. But what we realize is that a lot of businesses in the state of Delaware, um, we're the home of a lot of financial institutions. Yes. And then we have our colleges, our universities, we have our doctor, dentist offices, law offices. And I was thinking like, where are they sending all of their equipment right now? Yeah. Cause they can't throw it out. They have to make sure their data is erased. And I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. I just start asking people like, what are y'all doing right now? And they're like, oh yeah, we're partnering with this R2 business in Philadelphia or this one in Maryland. I'm like, wait, we're sending all of our business outside the state? Yeah. Don't, don't y'all like us? They're like, yeah, we love the nerds. <laughs> if we got R2 certified with y'all, Bring the business our way? Of course. Yeah. Okay, then. No brainer. <laughs> there you go. Wow. That, so, and now you, you have a store that opened two years, in and right before COVID or right after? Um, we, before, 2018 is when we had our first bigger store. Uh, we have a larger store. And now when COVID started, um, I'm in a new space, two doors yeah. down from my original store. Okay. So, apartment small storefront bigger storefront inside of a shopping center now two doors from that we have our foundation and then three doors down from that so it's like 1700 square feet 1700 square feet then three more doors down 5000 square feet yes we're spending way too much money that we shouldn't be spending right now but nonetheless we're growing <laughs> <laughs> that's great um well let's talk about you know, I think one of the th most impressive things that, that you have done and you've taken on is really your community service involvement. And I really wanted to make sure we talked we talked about that. So you, you have a term that you call the digital divide. Explain what that is and how uh, and, and your thoughts about that. Well, when people see Nerd Now right now, I have to say, all you see is Shark Tank, Shark Tank, Shark Tank. But they forget the 12 year old kid, which was me, and donated a computer at 12 years old. This was back in early, the mid '90s. Yeah, mid, well, late. My math is so bad. <laughs> early 2000s. Early 2000s. Uh, back then, 
there was a digital divide between the black and brown communities. It, yeah. It's just so apparent. But then even if you go beyond the black and brown communities, there's a lot of rural communities and different parts of the country, regardless of your color of your skin, where there's just this huge pocket, a digital divide. Well, yeah. here I noted now, we're very intentional in closing three divides. Our first one is the digital divide, followed by the income divide, and yeah. finally the wealth divide. Okay. And the way we do that here at Nerd It Now, it's okay. We're going to either donate technology through our foundation, the Nerd It Foundation, or train you to be versed with the repairing technology. Yep. So people come in and we're like, hey, here's a donated computer. Now let us teach you how to fix it. Let us show you how you can get a job doing these skills. And then after people acquire the skills, we then want to close the income divide. Mm -hmm. Let's help you get a job, whether it's internal or external. Yeah. Or if you go out into the world and get a job at another um, hospital, a university, school district, whichever have you using the skills you've acquired with us, that's a win for us. But we'd love for you to stay internal with us as we continue to expand the business. Because the end goal for us is not for you to become a manager or tech or just whatever you think may be pre-populated in your head we want you to go and close the wealth divide where you can earn a franchise of nerd it now and we'll give it to you we don't want you to pay for it yeah. but what we want you to do is go into a new community and start to circle all over again Hey, so like in there. Delaware, we're in Newcastle County. Yeah. I don't have the bandwidth to go into the Sussex County, the Kent County, Philadelphia, different parts of Pennsylvania, different parts of Maryland to open up another franchise. But once you do that, what we want you to do is we'll help you through our recycling business, which we now have, donate 100 computers back into that community each year. Yeah. And then as you're donating computers, make sure you fully close the divide by teaching people to also get the skills. In 2020, we donated roughly 5,000 computers back into underserved communities in the tri-state area. Wow. The first pre-pilot of individuals was four people being trained in technology, followed by our first um, official pre, our first official pilot of five individuals. And our current cohort now has 25, with another cohort of 25 people being trained and gaining jobs after being trained here at Nerd It Now. That, that's absolutely amazing. So. You said you donated 5,000 computers last year. Do you have any idea how many you've donated all time? Um, so from 2015 to 2019, it was roughly 538 computers. We did over 5,000 just in one year last year. That's amazing. And this year, we're already on the trajectory of Q1 hitting somewhere between two and 3,000. Wow. So I think one of the things that's really crazy that you guys picked up on as COVID hit and kids are being taken out of school and being sort of locked down in their houses, that if you don't have access to A, cheap and quality internet and B, good technology as far as a laptop concerned, you're literally going to be light years behind the, your, your peers. So how did you identify that? And, and, and you know, well, being able to jump in there is huge. Well, see, it wasn't that we were jumped in there. We were already there. We've been telling people for five years that there's a digital divide. Back then, we called it the tech divide. Well, uh, same, same. Sure. <laughs> people were like, okay, there's this digital divide. And you know what? Nerd It Now has already always been doing it. So when it came time to actually 
other organizations. We had support from Barclays Bank, Discover Bank, Capital One, uh, the Newcastle County government. They all came in and said, hey, we see what you're doing. And yet the 100 computers that you're doing each year is cute, but now there's COVID, let us help propel you forward and do more, which helped us get to the 5,000 units because we couldn't do it on our own to be completely honest. So you basically were the catalyst to get the rest of the community involved to help these underserved areas. Correct. So, so when you think back, when you, when you sort of like lay your head down at night, how, how does that make you feel? Like how proud are you of the, the effort that you did and the, the, the things that you've done for these, these underprivileged kids? Um, I was one of them, the privileged kids. Yeah. So, yeah. It felt good. Yeah. I think I could agree that me, myself and the team believe we still have a lot of work to do. So it's actually harder to sleep understanding that there's still more people that need um, help. Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of, you talked about earlier how someone gave you a computer. If you point back, is that person the most influential person of your life and sort of springboarded everything that's happened since then? Definitely shaped the trajectory of my life. Yeah. I would say the number one most influential for, I believe it's my community. There's no one in particular person. But yeah. this one teacher, um, great, like he legitimately put me on this path for, I don't know if it wasn't for that computer, I would be selling something or some business of some sort right now. Yeah. Uh, it helped create a hobby in me that became profitable to marry with my my passion, which is being an entrepreneur. Took my hobby, my passion, put it together. Entrepreneur, tech, boom, here we are. Amazing, that's amazing. You, you've been pretty outspoken about the access to finances and to, to loans and money that exists to minority-owned businesses. And you've, you've, you've really tried to do some work in that, in that space as well. So how is that work going and, and are you seeing any improvement or is it still a difficult thing to, to deal with? I, I still see it being a difficult thing. Um, it's just a lack of um, communication for the minority communities. Yeah. And we, we just don't, we're not aware of all the resources available to us um, until someone shares it. Like I didn't even understand what a CRA loan is. Yeah. Community Reinvestment Act. There's like institutions that are here to help minority businesses. Right. Actually expand. And these are things that we just didn't know about. And when it comes to like the PPP loan, to me, that was a joke. Right. For small businesses, let alone um, minority small businesses. We, I got $5,000 compared wow. to some of my counterparts who may have been a white uh, business owner uh, with the same amount of revenue, the same amount of employees, yet they were getting 10 times more than we did, which um, That's crazy. We, <laughs> we think it's, it's a bit crazy indeed. Yeah, I, I, I would say so too. So when you talk to, you know, young people of color that are looking to start a business, what advice would you give them? Um, I'm very faith-based with a lot of things I say. So um, I often remind people that it's not our timeline, it's God's timeline. Yeah. So um, all you got to do is claim it. So you throw things out into the atmosphere, and whether you're a Christian or you believe in the law of attraction or the universe, you throw it out in that universe, you claim it back. I say, yeah. God, this is all I want. I claim it, but not the universe, not karma, not anything say that claiming what you threw out into the universe will be easy. Yeah. So you, you just got to fight for it, but it's yours. Yeah. Got to fight. That's amazing. What I do want to talk about, it seems to me, and you talk very fondly of the support system you have at home. 
How important has that been for your, you and your, and the success of Nerd and Now? Ah, uh, bro, happy wife, happy life, shady yeah. happy. This ain't I ain't happy. You ain't happy. Nobody happy. I mean, there's not uh, many wives you can say I'm going to Kentucky tomorrow to try to be on a on a TV. So that's yeah. My wife has been um, extremely, I remember before I um, started the business, I was working at a job at a financial institution. I was just like, not happy whatsoever. And she's the one that said, you know what? You speak so highly about China. Let's go visit for three weeks. And we went there, we went back and visited my old bar. And that right there was just like, you know what? What am I doing? I love this stuff. Yeah. And that right there was like, you know what? I need to just start a business again. And um, it was my then girlfriend, now wife, baby mama, (laughs) that that, uh, motivated me to actually and supported me in the um, idea of um, opening up my own business. Amazing. Yeah, you always need that to, to have a successful business. Always a, a amazing to have to have a, a really strong support system at home. If you look back on your career and everything, you know, obviously we're really just starting this career. Um, where do you say the, the the lowest point is? Where and and have did you ever doubt that it was you were actually going to be successful? Or were you always like I'm always going to bet on myself? Where, where would you say that that low point was? <laughs> My lowest point. Hmm. Two days before you booked that trip to China? <laughs> I think the um, loss was actually um, prior to the business was that day. Um, yeah. Everything happening at once. But when it comes to the business, uh, when I won um, $9,000 uh, from University of Delaware, I invested three quarters of that money into that truck and it just didn't work in. Yeah. Um, where I was so gun ho like we're going to make a mobile office to have to pivot to another storefront, which I never wanted to hire people. I didn't want a storefront. Um, that was probably my lowest point, but it was that point right there where we pivoted and um, helped us get to where we're at today. Pivot is the word the, the word for the most successful businesses. They always are always willing, needing and willing to pivot. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed our time together. I, it was great. I, I, like I said to you earlier, I think it's amazing the work that you're doing and, and you know, keep on doing it. So Thank you, I, I appreciate you taking the time out. So if you guys would like to know a little bit more about Marquevis's business, uh, go to nerditnow.com. And there's a ton of information and articles and, and clips of videos and everything that he's been on. You also can Google his TED, TEDx talk, which I thought was, was outstanding. So, and if you want to connect with me on Untapped, my username is brcarney7. And to learn about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. Finally, to hear episodes of the podcast, go to happy-path-hour.com. And I'm going to give this, uh, this beer a 3.75 out of 5. So that'll be my rating for this. Marquivis, uh, glad you, I, I love that you were drinking a Jack, Jack and Coke out of a McDonald's. Yes, sir. <laughs> for, for professional reasons, obviously, but I really appreciate your time and I really enjoyed it. Cheers to you. Cool. Yeah. Cheers to you, brother. You enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.